Welcome to The Everyday Novelist. My name is J. Daniel Sawyer, author of nearly 30 books, more than 30 short stories, and numerous articles and scripts and essays, coming to you from up in the crow's nest with my spyglass on this daily voyage through the dicey waters of business, craft, learning, and art in the writing life. Welcome to The Questions, episode 899. Today we hear from Herbert, who asks... I know the Capra quote, if you want to send a message, try Western Union. <laughs> it's a great quote. I don't want to send a message, but there are things I'd like to talk about in my stories. I know the Masters have had success in this, from Zola in the Les Rugen... In the... Oh, you had to give French authors, you ass. Well, the French did a lot of this. From Zola in the... Le... I'm totally Zola leaving that in. in. <laughs> in the Le Rougon Macquart novels to Heinlein in several novels. I also know some of those Heinleins were preachy or aged poorly. Is there a way to consciously bring things you want into your writing without devolving into message fiction? Or is this best left to the subconscious? Um, there are ways, um, and the ways that tend to wear best are the ways that treat the conflict at issue as a serious conflict. Um, Heinlein got really preachy in a lot of his books. The ones that age well are not necessarily the ones that have messages that are um, congenial to modern ears, but they're the ones where the messages are treated as subjects of serious debate. And there's a good argument going... And it's, in, in Heinlein's case, the arguments all happened right at the surface level. It was dialectic fiction. Um, the ones where the arguments are matters of serious debate rather than of just pontification that is unopposed, and by that I mean unopposed by another character or unopposed by other um, themes in the narrative itself, those don't age quite as well because they read as essays and uh, fairly uninteresting ones at that. The ones that age well are the ones that have good conflict in the ideas themselves. And that's definitely true of Zola. It's true of um, one of the greatest pieces of propaganda ever written, Charles Dickens's The Christmas Carol. Um, it's true of Ayn Rand's The Fountainhead. In fact, if you contrast The Fountainhead with Atlas Shrugged, the, they, they have the same basic message and philosophy. And The Fountainhead is really good literature, and Atlas Shrugged is not. Um, Atlas Shrugged is preachy and long-winded and reads like a 19th century Russian novel. Um, not surprising, because Ayn Rand was a great fan of 19th century Russian literature, and that was kind of her literary school. The Fountainhead um, has a much more palpable conflict, and the arguments of Rourke's interlocutors are much more powerful, which means that when she demolishes them, it's much more interesting and satisfying to the reader. Even if the reader does not agree with her, it's not an insufferable bore. Um, the, we did, we did a, a really good uh, commentary on this. On um, My Cousin Vinny, which we... That was posted, April's commentary. We posted in April. Um, yeah, one, My Cousin Vinny is a, spe is a splendid example of message fiction. It's one of the best I've ever seen. 
one thing that seems to help make message fiction work well is treating the characters whom you disagree with with dignity as if they have a valid point of view and um even if in your world it happens to be wrong correct a, f a phrase i've heard a lot recently is everyone is the hero of their own story yes and um even your villain thinks that they're doing the right thing and for them to be a good villain opposing your hero and have, having your hero be an avatar or an exemplar or an advocate for the ideals that you're wanting to put forward in your message fiction, your villain has to be strong enough that the issue is in doubt. Because for message fiction to work and be effective and to be long-lived, there has to be a dialectic there. Some message fiction that has wound up being long-lived that, that externalized the dialectic, a good example would be William Golding's The Lord of the Flies. There, the interlocutor was not anyone in the book. It was actually the audience. Um, and there are several fantastic replies to Lord of the Flies in terms of other books about survival situations with teenagers. Including Tunnel in the Sky. Especially Tunnel in the Sky by Heinlein. Um, but the um, in that case, the interlocutor was the audience, and um, and so Golding was uh, was less... Uh, less Golding wrote that in advocating a certain view of human nature that was uh, less interested in exploring an idea, or that was less interested in arguing a point than he was in exemplifying an idea. He basically took his idea of human nature and spun it out in a scenario that allows him to fully explore it. Um, and so that can also work if you're um, if you're doing message fiction where you're unspooling a particular idea or issue, and you give it a full treatment and look at the ramifications of what would be the case if this idea were true, you can also write message fiction that doesn't wind up falling on deaf ears, or doesn't wind up turning the audience off. What does turn the audience off, or what makes your message fiction weak, is when you're assuming the agreement of your audience. You're assuming the rightness of your point of view. Um, you don't want your fiction to congratulate your audience for agreeing with you. Yeah, you, you want it to be you want to, you want it to be either pushing the pushing back against the audience or you want that conflict being front and center within the story. Um, either one of those can work, but if you've got a story where there isn't a strong push-pull, a strong interlocutor either internal to the story or implicit in the cultural context in which it's written, um, it's just going to come off as self-congratulatory and self-righteous, and that will not work. Now, if your interlocutor, if, if, your, um, if your point is strong enough, and by that I don't mean correct, I mean if the flavor is strong, uh, you're going to turn off some of your audience anyway. You will risk turning off the people who disagree with you and who don't want to engage the idea, and you're going to risk turning off people who agree with you because you're boring them. Um, and so 
You want to leaven that strong flavor with some mode of storytelling that forces reader engagement. Um, and uh, you could do worse for this one, and it's on my mind because I had to reread it recently to do Secrets of the Heinlein Juvenile. You could do worse than look at Starship Troopers for that. Starship Troopers is barely a novel. It is a book of arguments. Um, there's enough of a story there to keep us interested, but what's really interesting is the arguments, and it's not interesting because the arguments are, in my view, correct. It's interesting because the arguments are well explored, and um, they allow plenty of room, both within the story and between the story and its reader, for heavy, vigorous disagreement. Um, and it is because of that disagreement that Starship Troopers has spawned several replies from, just like Lord of the Flies did, several replies from other science fiction authors, such as The Forever War by Joe Haldeman, which was fantastic, and Old Man's War by John Scalzi, which I have not read, so I don't know if it was fantastic, but I hear good things. And many, many more besides that. Um... So, if you want to learn to do message fiction good, what you want to do is you want to look at the books that have that have forwarded a cultural conversation, and where the conversation that they're jumping into came along before them, and where the conversation continues after them in a way that is altered by the presence of that work. That tells you that that writer did message fiction well doesn't matter if you like it or not. Some of those books I find utterly insufferable. Some of them I like quite well. But what all of them have in common is that they forward the cultural conversation. And if you've done that, uh, you've done your job writing message fiction. If you occupy an end point in the cultural conversation then what's happened is you've converted a few people, but you haven't either inspired any followers or any detractors. And so what you've done is a piece of propaganda. So uh, for what it's worth, hope it helps. Thanks very much for sending it in, Herbert, and we'll see you tomorrow. The Everyday Novelist is written by J. Daniel Sawyer and presented by J. Daniel Sawyer and Kitty McKeon and is produced by Artistic Whispers Productions Incorporated. The text is copyright 2021 J. Daniel Sawyer and the production is copyright 2021 Artistic Whispers Productions Incorporated. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License and all other rights are reserved to their respective owners. Join the conversation, submit a question, leave a comment, or a creative death threat, or find me at jdsawyeronminds.com or hit me at feedback at jdsawyer.net. We can't do it without you.